We got Tim Kelly, Frank, coming on with us now to talk some Phillies. Tim Kelly, the editorial director of philliesnation.com. Tim, how you doing today? Welcome to the Sports Bash. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Ah, of course. Thank What's you. up, Tim? <laughs> yeah, Tim and I have been have been lucky to work together on a lot of initiatives uh, lately. You know, my sports talk Philly and Phillies Nation have been partnering together on a podcast, so I've been able to talk a lot of Phillies with Tim lately. And I'm really happy to have uh, Tim with us today. And and Tim, you know, we were just talking before the break about this past weekend. So how do you think that weekend went for the Phillies? It was obviously a difficult weekend in San Diego. Aaron Nola, despite not having his best stuff, was able to pull out a victory Saturday. But really, that's a team you need to take at least two of three from. But offensively, this team is just really struggling right now. Carlos Santana is hitting two twenty nine this month. Odubel Herrera is hitting one sixty one in August. And Reese Hoskins, rather quietly, I might add, is hitting just 147 in August. So a lot of this weekend underscores that the Phillies still need a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat. But even without that, they've won games this year. But they haven't won games when Santana, Hoskins, and Herrera are all struggling this much at the same time. Yeah, it's funny. The Phillies are particularly rough on the road. Uh, you know, Josh Hennig was saying earlier that the Phillies are one of the better home teams What do you think it is about this Phillies team that when they go on the road, they struggle in particular? And if you look at the Carlos Santana splits, it's not just this month he's not doing well, but his numbers on the road are significantly worse than those at home. What do you think's behind that? I think with Santana specifically, it's kind of an anomaly. This is someone that's played in the World Series. It's a veteran. So I think that's just kind of a one-year thing. Now, with the rest of the team, it's a very young team, and I think hitting's contagious. And when you go on the road and you start to play down to some of these teams, it rubs off on the entire lineup. So you, you just have a team of younger guys that uh, have a sense of comfort at Citizens Bank Park, which is certainly an, an ideal place to hit. And then you go on to the West Coast, where they really seem this year, I mean, they had the, the series in San Francisco earlier this year where Jake Arrieta hit his home run, was the only run in the series, and then over the course of the last six days or six games, excuse me, they really struggled hitting on the West Coast. So I think a lot of it is just being away from home and having that comfort, which it underscores why it would be so important to win the division and have that uh, have some home playoff teams in the NLDS if they're going to get to the playoffs. Yeah, Carlos Santana batting two fifty seven at home with an eight seven three OPS, but on the road one seventy nine average with the 638 OPS. Now the Phillies have a day off today and then they're back home tomorrow, but the competition's not going to be so much easier tomorrow. So being home might not help them over the next two days. How do you think the Phillies are going to do against the Red Sox who are sending a former Cy Young winner and Nate Eovaldi, uh, who has also given the Phillies a lot of trouble the last couple of years? I think it's a difficult series because when you went into Boston before, you had Aaron Nola and you had Jake Arrieta pitching. Aaron Nola, despite not winning that game, pitched probably as well as he's ever pitched. And then Jake Arrieta turned in a performance that reminds you why you're paying him $25 million and why he won a Cy Young a few years ago. You're not going to have that luxury in this series. You do have the luxury of playing at home, so that works in your favor. But you're right, this isn't the type of series that you want to try and rebound in because you're playing a team that's literally 50 games above 500. So 
it's just going to kind of have to be, I think, one of the best things that Gabe Kapler has instilled in this team this year is a willingness or an ability to just kind of turn the page. And some of that's because you're young and some of it's a culture that he's developed in that clubhouse. And I think going into that game, that's all you can hope for is that you get home, you have an off day, and you just kind of flush it down the toilet and move on to the next day. Hey, Tim, so a couple months ago, if the Phillies would drop, you know, two of three, two series in a row like they just did, I'd probably be on the radio talking about Gabe Kapler and what he needs to do better, as everyone was early on in the season, and people still are now, but, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler is not the issue to me anymore as I think he's a strong candidate to win manager of the year. But is there anything that you're looking at, especially most recently and over this last road trip that you're saying to yourself, man, I'd really like to see this lineup change be made or I really like Kapler to do this? I don't think it's specifically something with Gabe Kapler. I think the Phillies have overachieved for much of this year. And I think what you're seeing recently is offensively they lack a stopper. The rotation as Aaron Noll, the lineup, I, I don't even want to say they lack a cleanup hitter because Reese Hoskins could fill that role. But in a perfect world, you're going to have Carlos Santana hitting number two, getting on base, driving some runs, and you have Reese Hoskins hitting number three. And then you have that legitimate middle-of-the-order guy hitting number four, or you have that guy hit number two and Reese Hoskins hit number four. Right now, there's not that option, which I think is why the Phillies are widely expected to pursue Manny Machado or Bryce Harper this offseason. They made some uh, incremental upgrades as Drupal Cabrera. They're hopefully going to get Wilson Ramos back soon. But you, you can only do so much. This this team is in the first year of their window of contention. I think this will probably be the worst lineup they have in as many years. And it, it doesn't help that at this time, Odubel Herrera has gone cold. Reese Hoskins has gone cold. Carlos Santana has gone cold. Cesar Hernandez looked to break out of it a bit over the weekend, but I think he was banged up a little bit. So I, I think you, you're looking at a situation where it just comes down to you have a team that's good enough to make the playoffs in a division that isn't particularly good but has three teams competing for it. But I'm not sure you have a lineup that plays once you get to October. Right. Tim, you mentioned Cabrera, and I want to ask you about the shortstop position. Now, Scott Kingery has had an interesting year, to say the least. Where do you see Kingery fitting in as now we're approaching the middle of August? What's Kingery's role going to look like on a day-to-day basis as we enter September? I think the Phillies gave him every chance to win that job, and it didn't hurt him that J.P. Crawford missed a lot of time at shortstop. In the end, they're going to have to go with what works right now, and I think you saw that over the weekend as Drupal Cabrera has taken over the shortstop job. Maybe J.P. Crawford gets some starts, but it's kind of an awkward time to throw him back in there because he's obviously not uh, warm, to say. So I think you put as Drupal Cabrera in, whether Scott Kingery's option at the, or when they have to uh, make a, a roster adjustment this week, We'll see what happens there. But at this point, I think Scott Kingery's a bench piece. He might spend some time at AAA. And then you get into September when the roster expands, and maybe he comes back and plays somewhat of a role then. But I'm not sure he's a factor if the Phillies make the playoffs. I'm not sure he's on the playoff roster if the Phillies make the playoffs. It's obviously been a disappointing rookie season for him by pretty much all uh, imagination. I think a lot of us expected that this was someone that would compete for the rookie of the year. 
Instead, here we are in August, and it's someone we're talking about potentially being optioned. So when you look at the new acquisition to this team, Justin Bohr, now one thing that I thought the Phillies should have done this weekend in, in San Diego was that second game, I would have given him a start at first base just to sort of shake things up. Not that I'm a Carlos Santana hater or thinking that he needs to be benched, but I would have given a start to Justin Bohr. Instead, he gets one at bat the entire series, just that pinch hit in the ninth inning yesterday. What do you think the Phillies plan to do with Justin Bohr, and will he ever get a start against a righty, perhaps? Yeah, I think at some point this week, potentially in the Boston series, he'll end up getting a start. But this team really values Carlos Santana, for better or worse. You see it even when Reese Hoskins comes out late, and Reese Hoskins is unquestionably the Phillies' best offensive player. When he comes out for a defensive replacement, he doesn't shift to first base. He shifts to the bench, and it speaks to how much the Phillies really value Carlos Santana. With Justin Borg, you know how they say the backup quarterback is the most popular person in town? I think Justin Borg's kind of become that for the Phillies. He has a little more pop than Carlos Santana, but it's not a significant amount. It's just when he hits home runs, he mashes the ball. And I would give Santana an upgrade in the field. So other than that, they're not drastically different players. They hit for batting averages in the same range traditionally. Santana's average is obviously well below what he normally puts up, but they both walk a ton. Justin Bohr strikes out a bit more. I'm not opposed to giving some stars to Justin Bohr, but I still think Santana is a very good player that's hit into a lot of bad luck this year. And I know that's not something people like to hear, but it, it doesn't make it less true. Now, Wilson Ramos, he's made a couple of rehab starts down at Clearwater. So far, he's three for six with three doubles. So how close do you think he is to joining the Phillies? And once he joins the Phillies, where do you see him batting in these in this Phillies lineup? And can he be that steady offensive force that you mentioned the Phillies need? I think he can be a steady offensive force. When you go into the postseason, though, and you're playing against teams that have Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, I mean, that, that's if the Nationals make the playoffs. You look at how deep of a lineup that the Cubs have. You go in and you face a lot of these teams. Even if you have Wilson Ramos hitting four or five and he's having an all-star caliber season, you're still not going to have the type of lineup that a lot of these other teams are throwing out there. So when you get to that point, you're talking about winning games with your starting pitching and your bullpen. But as far as Wilson Ramos goes, he's hitting. That's great. He still needs to progress to catching behind the plate because – He's DH'd in a few of these games, and obviously that's not an option in a majority of the games that the Phillies are going to play from here on out. And when it is, you're talking about Justin Bourne at that DH spot. So I think he's still probably a week or ten days away. But, you know, from the sounds of things, I think when they acquired him, Wilson Ramos sounded like he thought he'd be back in the middle of the month. The Phillies sounded closer to September 1st. It may end up being somewhere in between there. And when he does come back, for as much as we like the raw tools that Jorge Alfaro has, he's been very good behind the plate. He hasn't been very good offensively. I think he still has a lot of upside. But when Wilson Ramos is ready to play, he's ready to play, and he's your catcher. And I think he gives you an immediate offensive upgrade when he's ready to go. Tim, you talked about winning games with your starting pitching. Now, I feel pretty confident with, obviously, Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta now, but... You talk about Eflin, Velasquez, and Pavetta. How do you feel about the bottom half, essentially, of the rotation and you know, going into a playoff race and hopefully the playoffs? Are you confident that those guys can get it done? Or, or you know, who's the, 
the strong guy out of the three? Who's the weak link, so to speak? If you can just touch on how you're feeling about that bottom half of the starting rotation as we get deeper. I think this goes for the three and it might even go for the two. You know Aaron Nola is starting game one or the wild card game or whatever situation the Phillies would be in if they were in the playoffs. After that, though, you would think Jake Area is going to start if he's pitching like he did in July. Obviously, he starts the second game of a series. If he's pitching like he did in June, though, you know there are some questions. Vince Velasquez has been very good of late. The one issue I would watch with him is he has already pitched a ton more innings than he did last year, and given his injury history, I wonder how cautious the Phillies are going to be from here on out. Nick Pavetta has been great when he's been great. His very best start against Baltimore and against St. Louis. He was he looked like a number one starter, and then there's other parts of the season where he looks like a triple-A starter. So it's going to come down to the hot hand. Zach Eflin was obviously option, but he'll be back sooner rather than later. I would think at this juncture he's probably the favorite to start uh, whatever, a third game, or if they had to play a wild card game and then you need a starter in the second game of the playoff series, Zach Eflin would be your favorite to start. But you're going to be asking guys to go into some unfamiliar situations. And Matt Contact talked about trying to balance winning with developing players, and you may see that balance tested in the playoffs. One quick question. So you mentioned that the Phillies need to make a roster move this week. Who do you think starts a game? Because the Phillies won't be able to go without somebody being on short rest uh, when you get to a certain point this week. So Eflin's back for the doubleheader, but then who do you call up to, to start on Thursday? I would think you either start up, and I haven't gotten a chance to look at whose turn in the rotation will be, but I would think you either bring up uh, Eniel De Los Santos or you bring up Ranger Suarez, one of the two. And the interesting thing, as I was just saying with Velasquez, I wouldn't be shocked if... You know, let's say Vince Velasquez's next start isn't a very good start. If they skip his spot in the rotation once just to conserve him a little bit, because you would think you at least want him as an option to start come the postseason. So I think Ranger Suarez and Eniel De Los Santos, and maybe even Cole Irvin, I think they factor into what the Phillies are going to do in this final month as they make a push for the playoffs. And Keith Kapler's talked about it for much of this season. It's not just a 25 man roster. It's a 35-man roster, and maybe even a 40-man roster it takes as you try to compete for the And we may see that over the next few weeks. All right, Tim Kelly, thanks for taking a few minutes to uh, talk some Phillies with us. We appreciate it, Tim. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for having me on.